Amen. Thank you, team. Welcome, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Awesome. Those of you who are tuning in online, we love you. We're glad that you're able to join with us, and we wish you could be here as well. So maybe in the future, that will be a possibility. Imagine with me for a moment, you're out for dinner, all in the COVID-19 season. You've done the mask thing. You got there with your dining party. You've been ushered to your seat. You're sitting there, and that's where you can remove your mask. And so you're doing so, and you're pouring over the menu, trying to figure out what is it that I'm going to have for dinner. This is going to be fantastic. And you hear these words, excuse me, and you kind of ignore them. And then they come a little bit louder, a little bit more sternly, excuse me. And you look up, and it's not the waiter, it's not the manager, it's not anybody from your party. You're thinking to yourself, am I in trouble? Have I unmasked too early? Am I going to get a fine for now being indoors and not wearing a mask? Am I going to be that first person in Leeds, Lanark, and Grenville? Am I going to be that story? And before you can finish that thought, that lovely voice replies, I noticed that you walked in, and I want to do something fun for you. I want to actually take care of your meal, so dinner on, is on me tonight. Wouldn't that be an awesome interruption? So if you see me out for dinner, <laughs> just kidding. Life interrupted. Some say that life is one interruption after another, and it's how we handle those interruptions that make the most sense and the most value for what we're trying to get out of this thing we call the human experience, or life, a life worth living. Now, I, I understand that all the interruptions that we face aren't pleasant ones. In fact, some of them are frustrating, terrible, chastising, angering. So what do we do and how do we respond when we are experiencing life interrupted? We're going to dig into the story of the life of Elisha once again. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to really encourage you to flip with me to 2 Kings chapter 2 is where we're headed. 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 19 through 25 this morning. One day, the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my lord, they told him. The town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, baldy, they chanted. Go away, baldy. Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. All right, let's dig right into this feasty story. There's two major interruptions that we're going to dig into here. The first has to do with this purification opportunity. Now, before we get to that, let's back up a little bit further and understand the significance of this moment. See, previous to this, Elisha had been sidekick, Robin to Batman, so to speak. Sidekick to a man named Elijah. And just before this, 
that we just read takes place, Elijah actually was taken up into heaven in a fiery chariot. And Elisha witnessed this. Elisha asked for one gift as his mentor was moving on. He said, would I be able to have a double portion of your spirit? What that means essentially is I want to have the favor that God has resting on your life. I'd like that and then some. Could I be blessed in the way that you are, were blessed so that I can be a blessing to other people? And in fact, his, his request was granted. He witnessed Elijah being taken up and Elijah's cloak fluttered down to the ground, the only thing remaining from his friend. And Elisha scoops that up and walks from that moment forward, knowing and trusting that God is with him and going to provide for him what he needs in the moment. But for the first time, he is alone. He doesn't have his friend that they can diagnose, hey, how did that work? What went well? What didn't go so well? What do we need to do differently? All those questions, he had nobody to process that with. He was solo. He was solo in that moment. He ended up in the town of Jericho. And in the town of Jericho, as we read, the water was bad. And so the, the officials, the leadership of that town came to Elisha and begged for his help. I can't help but think, how many of you are planners? How many of you like to plan a routine for your day? And COVID messed all of that up, didn't it? But you plan for your day. You're like, well, I'd love to accomplish this and this and this and the other. And some of you are like, I don't plan anything. Whatever happens, happens. God bless you. For those of us who like to plan a little bit, when something happens out of our sequence the way we thought, we, we experience an interruption. Something we didn't plan for in the moment. And I got to believe that Elisha didn't plan that the leaders of the town of Jericho were going to seek him out and ask him for help. I can't see him in the morning going like, well, step one, purify all the water. Step two, go harass some people. Like, he didn't plan that out. It came across his plate, and so what did he do with it? He saw this first interruption as an opportunity to engage with what God wanted to do in a brand new way. How often do we do that, you and I? When our life or our plan gets interrupted, do we see it as an opportunity or an obstacle? Something that we can leverage or something that is happening to us? That it's inflicting some sort of damage? Elisha didn't get frustrated. Instead, he did what he was supposed to do. He did what God has instructed him to do, to be a blessing to the people around him. He hears the problem. I'm sure he offers a quick prayer in that moment. God, what do I do here? God gives him instructions, a bowl with salt, pour it in the water. And from that moment on, this undrinkable water was pure. Sometimes the interruptions that you and I experience are an opportunity that God provides so that he can show up and do something amazing in us and through us. You know what COVID has reminded me? How much I need to be present for my wife and my kids. I can do all these wonderful things, but in my household, if I'm not physically present and loving being there in the moment, do you think that's helpful to them? If I do wonderful things, but my kids hate me growing up, my wife wants to get rid of me or always keep me busy, so 
my honey-do list gets longer and longer and longer. It doesn't want to spend time with me. You think that's a problem? Yeah. We can look at COVID and be like, well, it's happened to us. It's an obstacle. Man, I wish I could just kill it. Well, we are, and one day it will be, but right now it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to engage with what God wants to do. This cool opportunity, we're going to show you a video a couple in a, at the end of our service here. A couple of weeks, these last two weeks, we've been engaging with our community through My Summer Rocks. Now, traditionally, as a community, we've had this big week-long camp here at the church with hundreds of students, and it's been amazing to see everybody there. We couldn't do that with COVID, so guess what? We did something different. We went road trip style. And we created all these pockets of communities all throughout our region. And we had all these amazing little people invited and participating in that community. 77 of them. You might think like, oh, that's, that's not a lot. Well, you multiply that by the COVID factor of 7.123 because that's how it works, right? Multiplier in COVID. And that's amazing. What's even more amazing is so many of these little people had never interacted with us in any way, shape, or form previously. That's a win. That's a cool opportunity. We took what was made to hinder us, and we flipped it. And we said, no, no, what, God, what do you want to do in us and through us and around us in this moment? Are we available to be used by God in the moment? So when an interruption happens, how do you respond? Are we like Elisha? Do we see it as an opportunity to partner with what God might want to do in us and through us? As I said at the beginning of this talk, not all interruptions are favorable. Not all interruptions have a happy ending. And the second part of the story that we read is kind of like that. After this purification experience, this amazing high moment that Elisha would have experienced. He's on his way to a town called Bethel. Now, Bethel was like a, was like a hot spot for I'll call debauchery. It was a hot spot in that region for all of these crazy, chaotic things. So many people had tried to bring hope and light to that community previously and had been terrorized along the way. In fact, Elisha's own mentor, Elijah, had been mocked and scorned by this same group of people, and he ran away from the, the, the torment. Elisha's walking along this road that he probably would have walked with somebody before, and I know that Elijah would have walked the same road. He's walking along this road, and right away, there's a group of boys that start mocking him for being follically challenged. Go away, baldy. Go away, baldy. Lesson number one, never mock somebody for being follically challenged because a couple of bears might be waiting in the bush to maul you. But it's deeper than that. Hebrew phrase for a group of boys means something slightly different in the original language than it does here in English. If you've ever tried to translate from one language to another, it's a challenge to do so. Some of the nuances and uniquenesses are just lost in translation along the way. The phrase for a group of boys in biblical Hebrew actually refers to a broader age range than you might think. Age 12 to 30. That's the group of boys. Age 12 to 30. Now this group of boys 
They would have had the opportunity like every Jewish boy would have had to be trained and mentored in the way of the Jewish faith. The problem is they got distracted along the way. In today's day and age, these would be the group of boys that are still living at their, in their parents' house in the basement as 35-year-olds playing video games all day. That's the group of boys that we're talking about. They've lost the purpose of their life. They don't have a vision for where they're going, a direction. And so they do what we do. When somebody else seems to be further along the way than we are, Instead of celebrating that, our human nature causes us to want to kill the potential in other people. We mock, we terrorize. Our human carnal nature, we want to make sure that we are better than somebody else. So that's what they do. They engage in this rhetoric. And the point is, they would probably have engaged in this previously. And because it worked, they're going to do it again. If they were the same group of boys that scared away Elijah or other people from entering their city, why wouldn't they keep doing the same thing? Maybe you've heard this said before, but our life that we experience here on earth isn't always a straightforward kind of a life. There's ups and there's downs. There's challenges along the way. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes about it later in the New Testament portion of the Bible, and he talks about our warfare, our challenge being against evil principalities, these forces of evil that are trying to kill and destroy. And the forces of good are completely opposite. They're here to give us life to the full and the abundant, and there's this eternal struggle happening between the two, and you and I at times feel like we're caught right in the middle. But here's the truth about all of it. The enemy has no new game. He uses the same old stuff time and time again. He's not creative. He's not inventive. He is boring. He uses all the same scripts. In fact, I can guarantee that many of us can fill in these two statements that we've heard whispered to us in our hearts and in our minds before. I'm not fill in the blank. So I can't fill in the blank. Those are root lies that the enemy tells us. I'm not good enough. So I can't help anybody. I'm not strong enough. So I can't weather this storm. I'm not handsome enough. So I can't ask that girl out on a date. The enemy aims to kill and destroy everything that we are. Inflicting pain and punishment wherever he can go. But the truth is, the narratives and the scripts that he tells us are the same old ones. And if you and I would have the courage to recognize what they are in that moment, then we too would have the ability alongside of Christ our King to stand firm in that moment. Go away, Baldy. You don't think that would have been really, really painful to hear? I'm made fun of for having too much hair. Can't imagine what it would be like to be made fun of to not have hair. It's a wound, and the enemy is going to go right for the wound where it hurts the most. 
Are you able to recognize what it is in the moment? It's a distraction. See, the enemy knew if he could stop Elisha right there and he wouldn't get to the town of Bethel, then miracles and the presence of God would not show up in that place. If the enemy can distract you and remind you that you aren't worth anything, then the neighbor that lives beside you that desperately needs to know Jesus won't hear the gospel because you won't be present right there. Your family, your friends, your co-workers. If the enemy can distract you, he wins. Elisha calls it out for what it is as a couple bears come out and take care of business. And sometimes you and I just have to do the same thing. Call it out for what it is. Call it out for what it is, recognizing this is the enemy trying to create terror in the moment. And let God do the heavy lifting. See, sometimes... These interruptions are opportunities for God to show up in power, to right-size everything. Because how the story ends is good triumphs over evil, always. That's how the story ends, and we know that. So in the middle of the distraction, will we have the ability to recognize what God might be up to, invite him into that process, and allow him to be who he is in that moment. Look, I get it. Life is full of interruptions. Some are good, some are are challenging. In those moments, how will you and I choose to live? Because the way we do directly impacts whether or not we're living a life worth living how we handle them, how we navigate the tension between the good and the evil, the warfare around us, will directly impact our own quality experience of human life. So what is God saying to you right now? In this moment, right where we are today, in 2020, what is he saying? Are you being distracted do you have the same old script and narrative in your brain telling you that you're, you're not good enough or you're not something else on repeat? Is it time to stop that narrative? Or are you experiencing an interruption that's a divine opportunity for God to do something amazing in you, through you, and around you? What is God saying to you right now? And what are you going to do about what he's saying? Some of you might be thinking, well, I don't, I, what does God's voice sound like? God's voice is always full of hope, peace, life, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness. If it sounds remotely like that, you're listening to the right voice. If it sounds outside of that, if, if, if it's a voice that's like, well, yeah, you're just never going to be able to get it, so just, just quit. If it's, a, if it's a voice steeped in defeat, despair, frustration, coercion, manipulation, 
deceit. That's not God's voice. That's not God's voice. What is God saying to you right now? We have the courage to listen and however he leads in the interruptions that we experience, seeing them as an opportunity or a distraction and navigating between the two to the best of your ability. We're going to go to a time of prayer. And as we do so, my heart is heavy this morning because I believe that there are many of us here listening to this talk and we are distracted. Not because we want to be, but because we've just been in that place for far too long. And the enemy is wreaking havoc on us in mental warfare, spiritual warfare. And I want to pray specifically for you. And if that's you this morning, whether you're here live or tuning in online, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm just going to ask you to open up your hands, palms up, and place them on your lap. And I'm going to ask that God would meet you in the middle of whatever it is that is distracting you and show up in a real, authentic way to help you experience triumph in the moment. Sound good? Let's pray together. Father, I recognize that the enemy is a jerk. He wants to kill. He wants to maim. He wants to destroy. He wants to inflict torment and pain. And I recognize that the human experience here, Father, isn't always going to be roses and rainbows. There are going to be challenges along the way. But it's in those challenges that you invite us not to get stuck or distracted. So, Father, I pray for all the men and women, the children, the teenagers that are experiencing potential distractions right now, those people that have their hands open on their laps because they're tired of the narratives that are playing in their mind over and over again, reminding them of what they aren't. Would you replace that with a script that reminds them of who they are? See, when we're connected with you, we're your kids, And as sons and daughters of a king, we're princes and princesses. We are heirs to the throne and everything that comes with it. And so I pray by the power of your name, Jesus, that the distractions would stop. And instead, Father, we would be distracted and captivated by you and what you're doing in the moment. I pray that you'd be able to give us the ability that Elisha had in this story to recognize when the enemy is trying to attack us and kind of laugh it off. Speak it out and be like, enemy, you're not winning this one. And I pray that your presence would be so thick and so real and so authentic in that moment that it would literally feel like bears are mauling the lies to death. Lord, this only happens if you are who you say you are. And we believe you are who you say you are. So by the power of your son Jesus' name, we ask and pray that you would be present in our lives and allow us to experience you in a deep and meaningful way. We pray this in your name. Amen.